about to listen to the words and teachings of Pastor Shola Oshimakide of the household of David. Be blessed. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Thank you for opportunity to look into your word. Thank you for every home that is represented here this evening. Thank you also, Lord, for this light to shine to the hands of the heart. We bless your name, Father. We ask that our hearts be open to receive your word, and we ask that your word be produced in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, thank you, Father. We receive grace to speak by your spirit tonight, that we might communicate in a language that every man and every woman will understand in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Can somebody shout a loud amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Are you set this evening? Okay, look at your neighbor and ask your neighbor, are you married? <laughs> and if it's your husband or your wife beside you, you can still ask the person that, sorry, are you married? <laughs> and then you can ask the neighbor, are married to who? Because it's possible the person is married to Jesus. You know that song, I am married to Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Blessed be your name, Lord. We give you praise. So I want to read a portion of the Bible, and then we start from there tonight, or this evening. Alright? I trust God that by the time we start looking into the Word of God, questions in people's hearts will be answered, and that people will find light. Alright? So... We are talking about something that is very crucial. Oh, I know the rest will join us later. I pray they come on time. Um, we are looking at something that is very crucial. Also, let me say that uh, if you have a question, because I will take about 30 minutes, we just want to be sure that by, before 6.30 we are out of this place. So, uh, the last 30 minutes I'm going to take, try and answer some questions. So, if you have a question, you can ask the ushers to give a piece of paper. Some questions will be projected. Some will, re- okay, they will project all the written ones and... And I ask some people to raise their hand and ask every, any question they want to ask. And I trust God that by the ability of the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to answer. The reason why we do that is that uh, no matter how much you teach, sometimes there are peculiar situations that um, um, you need to answer in a very practical way, that you need to listen to what people have to say, and then you are able to answer directly so that your answer centers directly on the question or the issues of those people. So that's why it's very important to give uh, time to question and answer. So, let's read Matthew chapter 19. I'm not about to take principles and rules today, but we'll look directly into God's word to understand that this thing that is called marriage. And the reason why we are looking at this, what the Bible says versus what people are experiencing on a daily basis. Now, the Bible says that it is not good for man to be alone. That's God's number one testimony about man and woman coming together. And number two, the Bible says, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, that marriage is honorable and bed on the file. Marriage is honorable. So from God's perspective, marriage is honorable. And uh, then number three, is found in Exodus chapter 4, verse 9. The Bible says that two are better than one. Anytime two people come together... And they cannot experience these things, or their own experience is different from God's testimony about marriage, then something is wrong somewhere, and we know that God cannot lie. 
So, by God's expectation, when two people are joined in the house of God, they are supposed to be more honorable, they are supposed to be better, and for the man, it stayed to be better than it was before he was joined. Because the Bible says, it is not good for man to be alone, if after the man being alone for some years, is joined to a woman, and there is no, uh, we can't find traces of him being better then either we question the word of God or assume that the person does not understand the concept of marriage. Alright? Is it understood? Can I hear amen? amen? I need you to respond tonight and be alive. Praise the Lord. Alright? So, I'm going to need every amen and I need you to respond very well. Do not respond like uh, the super egos that just lost. <laughs> okay, let's not start with Nigeria. Matthew 19 and I'm going to start reading from verse 3. And this is very revealing. This is very powerful. So, in Matthew 19, verse 3, the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Number one, you begin to wonder why they were asking Jesus this question. Of all the questions to ask the Master, said to somebody, what do you want me to do for you? And he said that I might receive my sight. And immediately sight came. So we are talking of a master that if he was asked any question, if he was asked anything, he could have provided it. And of all the treasures in this world, the Pharisees had nothing to ask the master except this very funny question. They stood before the Alpha and the Omega, the one that could create everything. And all they wanted to ask the guy was that, uh, is it okay to send our wives packing? <laughs> and I want to explain why, what fueled that question. I mean, Jesus would have expected that they should ask a question about resurrection, a question about healing, a question about grace, a question about prosperity, but none of them mattered to the Pharisees. They had an opportunity to speak to life himself, and the only thing they were asking him had to do with marriage. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to uh, ask reason why they asked that kind of question. Praise the Lord. So, uh, let's read, let's, so, they said that, do we put away, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Of course, for every cause means that when she cooks for you, you can sack her. When she doesn't cook, you can sack her. For every cost. I mean, just wake up and just for whatever reason. And he answered and said unto them, this verse 4, Are ye not right? And this is where we want to start from today. Jesus answered and he said, Haven't you read? Haven't you read? What? Uh, you would have expected the master to say, Look at the question. Should we put away? Is it lawful? Is it scriptural? Is it okay to, di to divorce your wife? That was the question, to paraphrase it. But the master didn't say yes or no. He didn't say yes or no. But he went beyond what he said outwardly to what was causing the question to come from within. And the first thing Jesus said was not yes or no, but he said that, have not you read? And we are coming back to that in a while. That every home that must stand... You must read. Now, what do you read? Not newspaper, not several books, 
Reading doesn't necessarily mean that you go and carry books about 10 steps to having a godly home. People have read all those things and it hasn't really produced anything. Are you following me? But there's something you must know. So the first thing Jesus said to them is that you are ignorant of this subject matter. And the reason why you're asking this question is quite funny. But the first thing I should tell you is that haven't you read? Hallelujah. But I want to, I, I'm more interested in why that question at all. It is because of one thing. John chapter 2. And let us read. Mm-mm. Thank you Lord Jesus. John chapter 2. Are you, are you with me? Okay. I'm going to start from verse 10. Now you know the story. Is it not interesting that the first miracle that Jesus performed, he performed this at a wedding ceremony. That shows how God, how much interest God has in this institution of marriage that we are talking about. So the first miracle, Jesus didn't perform the first miracle on a crusade ground. The first miracle was going to perform was at a wedding ceremony. Why? Now, I want to use, so that John chapter 2 talks about the story of the Canaan, where did that happened in Canaan. Thank God that the host of the wedding invited Jesus and the disciples to the wedding. But what I'm interested in is the fact that, I know you all know the story, then the wine finished. And then the wine finished, probably uh, Mary saw them when they were arguing, and he saw everything going on, and he just said to Jesus that, you know what, uh, they have no wine again. And this is a kind of topic I want to give to this man. But I'm interested in verse 10. And this uh, very interesting thing that the master of the ceremony, this verse 10 must have been the reason why Pharisees asked that question. You would ask yourself, why for, why, why for Christ's sake? Somebody calling the other person all kinds of names, the only sugar, the only this one, when she said yes to you, you couldn't sleep all night. You suddenly turned her name to nice lyrics. And from that point of willing to open the whole of your account to do wedding ceremony to the next question, are there scriptures I can stand on if I want to send that packet? So, this is the reason why they asked that question. Because of their experience. Now, what was their experience that made them to ask that question? This verse 10. The master said to Jesus, you know, so Jesus turned water to wine. And that particular wine tasted better than the one they were drinking before. And the master of ceremony, he decided to let the new husband in. Now, the subject physically was wine. But beyond wine, he was introducing that man to the reality of every person except you are helped by God. If you are not helped by God, it will be your reality. He told the group to one side, said, oh boy, come. Look at the word. He said, every man, without exception, every man, at the beginning, does set the good wine. <laughs> and when men are well drunk, that which is worse, no matter how a romantic relationship starts, the good wine is always the first person, first thing to be released. Are you following me? That is when, even though he told you to come and pick you by three. He gets you out by five minutes to three. You are still dressing up by quarter to four. 
And those 45 minutes, they don't mean anything to him. He will not nag, he will not complain. Rather, he will turn it to a song. The good wine. Every man sets for the good wine. The moment you meet a woman that shouts you, what comes first is a good wine. No matter our mistakes, they don't count. You don't complain. You don't complain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As a woman, you meet him. You haven't noticed that he has all temper. Because love is shocking you. The good wine comes first. Are you following me? She's rude, but you can't see it. Are you? <laughs> Amen. That is where she cooks, like I like saying. Even though the food is not sweet, but the sweet word you are saying about her cooking is sweeter than the cooking itself. The good wine. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can wait for her. You will never. You want to be seen together. You enter a place like a cinema, whatever. You want her to be by your side. From that, all of a sudden to what we see that is very common. The man doesn't even want people to know that he's married. They are going to the same place. He tells her to go ahead. <laughs> or at least he asked before her. The good wine. Now, five minutes late, he's shouting at her. As she's wondering. So, these people experienced this. And the man told the new husband that, in case you are just getting to know, this is the process. We serve the good wine first. When you are drunk, that means when we settle together, then the bad wine begins to come out. But you know what Jesus did? He reversed the process. Somebody say amen. Yeah. That is why that song says, Jesus had the cup that will run dry. Your presence. Are you following me? Outside him, outside something happening, which I'm about to share. That's, the, that's why we are talking here this evening. Outside this thing I'm about to share happening to you. This is going to be the reality. The good wine first. Oh, it's amazing how people dance so well on their wedding day. And five years after, there's no dancing in the home again. It's amazing how people can do. She lives afar off from your place. Yet, you use all your data to call, to send SMS, to uh, boss every now and then. Now you stay together and communication is monosyllable. Where are you going? Outside. When are you coming back? Later. Are you hungry? No. Do I look hungry? <laughs> Hallelujah. From <laughs> Hallelujah. At the beginning, it doesn't look as if his mom is preferred to you. But after the good wine, and you said to you, discover that the tie between him and his mom is nothing, comp- yours is nothing compared to that. And you are bothered. You are drunk. And then the new, the <laughs> wine. The good wine is finishing. So, because those who are at the wedding must have been Pharisees. So, that man spoke for all of them. So, why they were asking that question, why they were asking Jesus that question, must have been that every one of those men that was present that day was having this reality. The good wine has finished. So, what they are looking for now is that let the party end, which means, Lord, under what scripture can I hide? So, Sack this woman. 
It will shock you how many people are already tired of their marriage. How soon people begin to discover in living with a person that they could have made a better choice. All because end has come to the good wine and the bad one is coming out. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. This is the explanation for all kinds of romance turning now into a bitter song. When UI some years back as students, and since we left UI, I graduated from year 2005, between now and then, too many ugly stories of colleagues and friends. Those that will sit down under the tree in UI, day and night, the same guy that could almost risk stabbing a course, stabbing a lecture for the girl to do anything for her, cannot even give her a cup of water when she's not feeling fine. And you wonder, what has happened? Why? But what we need to pay attention to is that this man is speaking on behalf of all the men that are unregenerated. That no matter how good the wine is at the beginning, he said there is a bad wine coming after the good wine. Except you are helped. And that's what I want to look at. That's what we're reading this. Are you following me? That's why the Bible said that better is the end of a thing than the beginning. You can never judge how a home will be at the beginning by, by looking at the beginning. Anybody can eat any kind, anybody can start well. But finishing well is the issue. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. So that is at your beck and call now. That she makes you happy now. Does not mean it will always be like that. I said, so now, I know I'm standing before people and therefore those who are watching. I also do know that like never before, homes are under assaults. And many people are beginning to lose belief or lose faith in what is called love. And there's a reason for that. Because, and you know, it's not going to get better. Except you are standing where you ought to stand. And that's what we want to look at this today. Can I hear me? Amen. Are you following me? Yes, so that made them to ask that question. So let's go back to how the master has. So these guys also were experiencing it, uh, the bad wine. And they felt that separation would help them. And Jesus said that, haven't you read? Master, the master has spoken. The beginning of a Christian home is the fact that you must know there is an information that you must read. It is not in a book written by any pastor. It is in the book of life. So Jesus did something. And this is where I begin to believe by the Spirit of God that when I see that as I speak, hearts will be healed here. And homes will be healed. And many of you will carry this message and give people and it will heal them. Because there is life and power in the word of God. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. See, Jesus deliberately told them. He straight away bypassed all the prophets. Bypassed Moses. And went to the beginning. Because if the foundation be destroyed. The Bible says, what can the righteous do? So Jesus started. You know, when I was praying about this, I saw that some of you here and some of those who are listening to me, will have to, you will have to ask yourself a question, really, that why exactly 
did you get married to the person you are married to? If your reason is not precisely the same reason which we are going to look at, it got to a point where said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and he. If you have not found the cause and you leave your father and your mother, time will show that you are not built on the right foundation. Are you with me? There is something that a man must find. When it is found, he is then qualified to say, I'm leaving my father and my mother to join a woman. If he joins a woman based on any other reason, without finding that thing, and if you allow a man to join you without finding that original reason, the foundation is faulty. Can I hear amen? Amen. Hey, our God is massive. We can rebuild foundation. But you see, it's like when they were cutting the tree in the time of Elisha and the ash head fell into water and the guy cried. He said it was borrowed. Elisha only asked him one question. He said, we are fell it. And the guy showed him the spots. A home will not be healed. Please hear me clearly. No matter how many books, no matter how many things, until you know the origin, the original origin of the problem in that home. It is not that he said this, I got angry and now answered this. Those are the manifestations of a fundamental problem. That is not the problem. He is very stingy. That is not the problem. There is a bigger reason why you think he's stingy and why probably he's stingy. Are you following me? And when you cut a tree, you are trying to destroy the fruit of the tree by just plucking the leaves. You are just an effort in fertility. It will appear as if you are making headway for a while, but you are not. You have to go to the root. So Elijah told the guy that bringing your asset, making the iron to swim, is not the problem. But show me the spot where the iron drop into. Making a home to be healed. Making a family, making love to start flowing again, it's not the problem. But first of all, your eyes must be open to how did the problem start. And for some, it is the foundation already faulty. The reason why you chose that person is faulty. And except to let God in his message. Now, this is where the love of sincerity comes in, honestly. When you tell God is merciful, He can fix any problem. But first of all, there must be an admittance of the fact that, to be honest, it was a figure alone. Or, I felt he had cash. That's the reason. The Bible said in Psalm 51, Thou desired the truth in the inward parts. God is moved when a man is honest from within. That look, as I'm hearing you now, Pastor, to be very honest, I chose based on this and this and this. And then grace steps in because you have openly admitted that say, I did not exactly choose because of and if you are hearing me, if you are by chance you are here, you are not married. You see, <laughs> you have a chance. But you are not my target today. Amen. Are you following me? So let's go back to Jesus. And let's read Matthew 19. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to bring out about three principles from here. We can't say everything in one day. <laughs> It will take almost 10 lectures to look at this subject. But I will stop wherever I can stop because I'm trying to bind myself. I just want to stay with time. Uh, you can go with whatever is shared for now. So, let's read. And the answer that said, Have ye not read? Look at your neighbor. 
and ask your neighbor, what have you read about marriage? Oh, so many people, are li- they are living together without... See, the Pharisees tried, and we go, get there in a while. They still read something. But Jesus said, he looked at the Pharisees when you asked that question. He said, look, have you two read? That means this statement was the first thing the master said. Meaning that when a home will be built rightly, there is an information you must have. So Jesus is saying that, have you not read? Now ask your neighbor, have you two read? Now, if somebody is asking you about to, I used to ask the person that read what? <laughs> Amen. What did he want them to read? Let's read for that. The answer is there. Jesus said, Hallelujah. Um, sorry, Matthew 19. Okay. Yeah, my tab is misbehaving. And he said, for, Let's go back to verse 4 again. And he answered and he said, Have you not read? Read what? Have you not read what? That he which made them at the beginning made them male. Mm. Everybody say point one. This is the foundation. Oh dear Lord Jesus, help me to. Each of the things I'm about to tell you today, we need a long time to elaborate on each one. But I will give you like a capsule. Okay? There will be another opportunity to... So, Jesus is saying that the first thing that you should read, the first thing you should know, is that he that made them at the beginning, made them male and female. Meaning that, once you don't understand the concept of male female, you are out already. What is this concept? That made the master to make it the first thing. The able to read... That the one that created them, he made them male and female. If I find myself in a marriage and I do not understand the concept of the fact that he made them male and female, there is already a problem. Now, to understand this concept, you have to go to the beginning for what really happened. Hallelujah. Everybody say male and female. So the Bible says God created man in his image. In his image, God created them male and female. He created them. Now, that scripture was said before Eve was formed. I want to show you something. Can we read Genesis? What part of Genesis is that? Genesis 1, 2, Genesis 2. Yeah, thank you. That, this is the creation. Later, when the Bible said that, so God, and God created man in his image, in his image, he created them male and female. He made them. Look at this. Now, Eve was formed. Mommy Eve was formed. In chapter 2, towards the end. But this is chapter 1. And God is saying that, so God created man. When he created man, it was one man everybody was seeing. But God can see, can see what men couldn't see. And the Bible said that, so God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. What's the next thing? Jesus was referring to this. What is the meaning of this? This is why... Marriage is not something a person should rush into. If the reality has not done on you, that as a man, you, are, you might be the most competent man in what you do, but you are still incomplete until you find a better half. They call it better half because outside the one that is sent to your life, 
outside that one, you have competence, you have ability, but you don't have completeness. Are you with me? Yes, sir. Is somebody hearing me? Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Say amen. amen. I want to be sure that you are following me. Are you following me? Yes, so, <laughs> you, you are competent. You are a daughter, you are a lawyer, you are so brilliant, you have made money and the rest. But, when Adam saw Eve, he said, this is the bone of my bone and the flesh of my flesh. The power behind this revelation is that anybody coming from this angle can never seek for divorce. Because you cannot divorce yourself. Are you with me? Separation started from the second level. And I'm going to explain what, why, why do I say that? Is it necessary to put away his wife? That word put away, I will explain the word. But you see, what uh, separation is at the second level. Because when Adam first saw it, he said, this is the flesh of my flesh. And this is the bone of my bone. But in chapter 3, after the fall, when God said, have you eaten the food? He said, the woman you gave to be with me. Oh, something mighty has happened. From of me to with me. With me is separable easily. Of me, you are going nowhere. Did you hear that? Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Whatever is with you can be dropped. Whatever is of you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you have your body. We have the eyes of your body. The mouth of your body. You can't separate them from your body. But probably you have your tab with you now. You can drop your tab. When man fell, the first thing that happened to Adam was that seeing her as flesh of my flesh, of me became with me. So he said, he said, the woman you gave to be with me. But the first time he said that this is the flesh of my flesh. That was the first shift that happened. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, that men and female created them is the principle of, of me. That the Lord will have everybody in marriage to understand. Of me. That your wife, your husband, is not with you. It's of you. Hallelujah. Amen. So that made Jesus to emphasize that point. That he that created them at the beginning made them male and female. Inside one Adam. <laughs> and you have to look at the process when the woman was going to be brought to Adam. He made them to sleep. It took something from Adam to form the man, to prove to Adam that uh, whatever I have taken out of you makes you incomplete until I bring it back to you. If this understanding is not in you as a man, you will not recognize the role that the woman has come to play in your life. And God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him help mates. Now, Adam had all the gardens. He had four rivers, and one river was full of gold. So he looked like a complete man. But when the Lord looked at him, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. A man that is built on the right foundation is the one that, when the man meets a woman, there is a solid conviction that outside this woman, I am incomplete. When you have that understanding, separation is impossible. Can I hear me? Amen. And that was what Jesus was referring to, that for this cause shall a man. That means until a man meets somebody, and that there is a solid conviction in you, 
that this is the complete part of myself. Don't attempt marriage. For this cause shall a man live. You are going to meet a lot of beautiful ladies. If I marry because of beauty, what, I, what happens when I say more beautiful ladies? And remember, I've always said that, that your wife is fine, does not make other women ugly. Is that true? So I'll marry the finest so that I will stop looking around. <laughs> when you feel the mind that you learn that there are finer ones. Especially when age begins to set in. Hallelujah. If you think she's smart, she's not the smartest on that. Is that true? For whatever reason, outside a solid conviction, those reasons, the wine will finish very soon. Are you following me? See, I'm touching the foundation of homes. Is somebody with me? Yeah, we already married, so what, what do we do? That's what I'm sharing with you. So that we can revisit the foundation. I, I'm almost thinking, I know that it's likely questions you can say, but I don't want to ask publicly. I see. I understand what you have said, but the sincere truth is that the way I see my wife, I just want to quit. I don't see her as completing me. If I see her as dividing me. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we'll get to that one in a while. If somebody, there are 10 scriptures we want to look at, but I won't look at just this one for today. Another day we look at others. Are you following me? Are we, traveling, are, we, are, we, are we traveling together? Are you following me? We, we, so, <laughs> so when he said that <laughs> he made them male and female, is that understood now? Inside one man, God's concept is that your wife will be so much part of you that together I see you as one. And when she's taken away, or your husband will be so much as part of you that when it's taken away, you are never complete again. That is the only way that when I'm seeing you, I see male and female. And the Bible says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother. That is the first thing that must happen when a home is built on the right foundation. See, I hear. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. I'm trying to pause to be sure that, you know, in the they will say, Sailor. Just pause and meditate. That the, the point is going inside you. Are you following me? Yes, sir. Then Jesus moved further. Let's go on. <laughs> I, I was so close. And he said, For this question, a man leave his mother and his mother, and two shall become one flesh. We'll get to that later. But verse 6. Wherefore there are no more two but one flesh. What God are joined together, let not man put asunder. Now, I will come back to this in time, but verse 7 is where we are really going. Then they said to him, I love the Pharisees, at least very honest. They said, why did Moses then command us to give her a written of divorcement and to put her away? See, this put away. <laughs> if I do a sample of all the marriages here and those who are watching me, marriages are at different levels or different faces. Or different kinds of arrangements. There is totally satisfied. There is satisfied. There is in between. There is dissatisfied. There is totally dissatisfied. There is blank. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Are you, are you with me? Praise, praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Let me explain the word put away. That was how the expression they used before. And they, they were saying again that but Moses gave us permission to put her away. Put away. It's not limited to divorce. So I said there are different types of marriage. There are people, they are not talking divorce, but they put each other away a long time ago. How many times have I spoken to couples? Sex had disappeared a long time ago. What about put away financially? What about put away when she is no more part of your secret discussion? You would rather talk to a friend on confidential matters, but not to her anymore. What about her? You would rather talk to your friend about confidential matters, but not to him anymore. You are putting away. You, it is very easy for love to become guilty and obligation. What is keeping them together now? They are children. School fees, you pay 150, I pay 70. Making 220. And we take it to school. Then we take it to school. You take it to school. Why I go buy petrol? They are together, but there is putting away. So putting away is not limited to divorce. You can put the person away socially. Now there is nowhere you go together. Anytime your wife says, you are going and says, can I follow you? That question irritates you. You might not answer plain, but you just, inside you, you're angry. You don't want her to follow you. Well, there was a time, if she didn't follow you somewhere, you would get angry. You wanted everybody to see the two of you together. Now it has become, you used time to dodge her. Amen. When she's ready, say, I'm not ready yet. You can be going. I'll enjoy you. As long as she leaves, you dress up to go. Amen. How many, how many times have you seen this? You see it more in older couples. Now all those sweet names have disappeared. Now they call each other by the name of their children. Daddy Wally. Mommy Buki. <laughs> you know. <laughs> He's coming on my yoga. <laughs> Hallelujah. One time. Sweetheart. Dear. Honey. Sugar. Which one again? Honey pie. <laughs> But now, this woman, I'm warning you. So her name is now this woman. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so, there are different types of put away. And in many marriages at different levels. Some have completely put each other away. It's total. Some, it's not yet total, it's gradual. You have lost confidence in the man. So you reduce what you get him involved with. He thinks he's with you. But he is just halfway with you. There is a part of your life that is shut down. He is put away as far as that part is concerned. That is where people start maintaining sacred account. That is why he can't look into your phone and then you can't look into her phone and that is why you are keeping. So you have the second phone and she does not even know that you have second phone. Second phone is at work. It's for official. Official stuff. You know, <laughs> all these things are setting in. There are things that you have told some people that are very close to you that you have not told your spouse. Sometimes you receive an amount and you don't want her to, she's put away or you don't want him to know. Something tells you that when you tell your husband that somebody just gave you some huge money, he will collect it and squander it so you don't want to talk to him about it. He is put away. Hallelujah. 
you can put away somebody in terms of conversation. Everything appears to be well. But once the two of you are left alone, you can't talk. And it's not that you are fighting. It's just, you just shut down on each other. You sleep in the same room. As soon as you come from work, remove your clothes, hang it, jump on the benches, and then you both. You, you, before you could talk, even in your dream, you will still be talking to each other. But now, it's so difficult to start a conversation. When your relatives are around, the two of you are talking to everybody. When your friends are around, the two of you are talking to everybody. When you are in an occasion, the two of you are talking to everybody. But as soon as you are left alone, your most boring moment is when you are left alone with her. Then you start watching Premiership. Not because you love my team, Chelsea, but because it is necessary right now that you occupy yourself with something so that you can shift attention away from her. So you become Chelsea fan overnight, unlike those of us that are truly loyal to Chelsea. <laughs> it is worse if it's Arsenal you are using to because it's likely at the, at the end of the match you nag more because the result is never favorable you understand <laughs> hallelujah <laughs> somebody told me that I was about to say that pastor your, that the, your pastor the way he talks against us now that tell him oh, I'm really upset with him <laughs> hallelujah are you, are you with me this is interesting are you following me so that's mean of putting. So they, but let's look. They were saying that, but Moses told us. In other words, they said Jesus to say, "Have we read?" Yes, we have read. We have read what Moses said. At times, what we have read about marriage is our culture, our tradition, or what our siblings who are older than us are sold to us about marriage. Do you know that there are Christians somewhere deep inside you? The day a lady told me, I was shocked. She was a worker in this church and she walked up to me and told me that there is no man that will not cheat on his wife. I said, so you mean you are prepared to? I said, yes. My own is that it, shall, it shouldn't be too much. And it shouldn't make it obvious that all the neighbors will know. He said, but you know, this is what she has seen. People around her she was very committed. She was very spiritual. But in all her years of serving God on campus, and then when she joined us at the church in Lagos, that thing hasn't left her that you will not find a man who will not cheat. There are people who have things against women, and there's nothing that will shift that position. So at times people come into the kingdom, and these things are still there. So the Pharisees said that we have read what Moses said. So what, what do you have to say? We have read Moses. And we will define Moses in a while. People are still reading Moses. Anything that looks like God, anything that has the name of God in it, but that is not according to Matthew, Genesis chapter 2 wedding, um, it is Moses. It is a kind of permission, but not God's perfect will. Now, there is Moses, there are many, there is family, but Moses is a little spiritual, but Moses is still not God. So Jesus said that, you know what? So Moses told them that you can divorce under some conditions. Then Jesus told them. Now, my, I'm not talking about whether it's right to divorce or not. I'm just saying what Jesus said. Then Jesus said that, next verse, and he said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. 
but from the beginning. Everybody say from the beginning. The Lord was saying that, I am not concerned about what Moses told you. I am telling you that which was instituted at the beginning. He said, Moses allowed you because of the hardness of your meaning that Moses was afraid that if he should tell you God's perfect plan, you are too hardened to receive it. He said, so he brought a substandard syllabus. He said, but I'm telling you that what you have been reading is substandard, that from the beginning it was not so. That I am going back to what I told that he that made them, made them male and female, and that it is separable. Moses brought in his own dimension just to help you and cool the effects. Just to cushion it a little. And Jesus said, what is the meaning of this thing? I don't want to go into the next one. Stay, stay, stay in verse 8. Hallelujah. Moses. They read Moses. But Jesus said what they read was wrong. And he said that from the beginning, it was not so. So, our attention, again, back to the beginning. Dear Lord Jesus, is somebody following me? Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's read Genesis and I'll begin to close. Genesis chapter 2. Thank you. Marriage. It's a threefold joining. The spirits, the soul, and the body. Not only should you know that, you should also know that that is the order, that is the pattern. Spirit, soul, and body. If it is body, soul, and then spirit, there will be a problem. If it is soul, spirit, and body, it will be a problem. If it is soul, body, it must be in that pattern. That the first thing is that people must be joined in the spirit. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Then in the soul, then in the body. That is one concept I would have loved to explain. Because that is where the teaching of this message be. All I've been doing so far is foundation. But it looks like tonight for this evening, we won't leave foundation till I'm true. Are you, are you with me? Because when you want people to get something, you'll break it down and give them a bit and piece. Let them get the first one first. All I've just done so far is just to let you know that there is a concept that God has in mind. And it is a concept of oneness that defines marriage. And when there is a problem, it is when we don't understand this or we wrongly relate. So first of all, we must just believe that at the beginning or in the beginning, male and female. And that this is God's perfect pattern. Hallelujah. If it's not understood, the wine will finish. How we become, we become, become like every other man. All of a sudden, um, the flow is stopping. It is why some people are afraid of getting married. They've seen this around. Knowing that along the line, something happens to the flow. And sincerely, look around the world and see. Anybody who has not really... See, if I, if I were to be a non-believer or a non-serious Christian, I would have every reason 
I would have everything to be afraid because of what I see every day. I have seen the best of romantic relationship within five years of settling down together, developing into a nightmare. So that uh, somebody is doing well now should not be an assurance. But the assurance must come from the fact that are we set on the right foundation? If we are, there is no cause for alarm. If we are not, it's just a matter of time. It can be 20 years. I love watching Forensic Files. It's my favorite program. We talk about homicide cases. It's quite common in America, and they deal with real-life cases. When I'm in America, if I don't have preaching engagement, that's what I watch there. I can spend four, three, four hours watching, just 30 minutes, showing different cases, real-life cases, of husband killing wife, wife killing husband. I know the amazing thing, in this case, some situations, it's after 10 years, after 15, after 20 years, that the, 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 um, the investigators will find it very difficult initially to believe that two people in love like that, this one killed. You know, they first start arresting people and eventually to find out that the lover killed the person. After 21 years, 22 years, some of the relatives will be talking and be like, that if not for evidence, that they will still be questioning the person, I know he can't do this. Because you don't know when the wine will finish. Some is so fast within the first one year. Some say after the first night of the, of the wedding, they know they are both in trouble. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Let every couple here cast your mind back. You will always, um, people like Dr. Ebele should be able to explain this better as a doctor. <laughs> no, he can't explain marriage better. It's not marriage, but he can explain what I want to say better, <laughs> which is. When he was being trained in UCH, I believe, and some of the doctors, okay, Dr. Bumi also, I think, uh, you have to know what it means for a body to be healthy. That is the only way you can know when somebody is sick. Right? If you don't know how a healthy heart should be, you can't tell whether somebody is sick or not. Am I right? If there is nothing you are comparing something with, you can't say whether it's good or bad. The only reason why you can know that this money is fake is that you have handled the original many times. If somebody gives you a fake 1,000 error note now, and you see <laughs> that coat of arm, the hands are down. <laughs> you know, you immediately know that there's something, <laughs> something is wrong. I said, you know, I remember all these guys on Allen and Toy, they need to arrest all those guys. Who convert money into, you know, they buy dollars or they sell to them. They are, they are chronic. I mean, they are. So, I taught people in the house, before I got married. Somebody sent some dollars to me. So, I told the people, I said, you see, these guys are thieves. Let me teach you how to catch them. So, I taught them. Even though I taught these guys, taught them, taught them, they still didn't get it. So, let's go and let me change dollars. I took it there. And they changed, or maybe it was lying to me. Because later, I had some reason to start doubting the guy. Because I taught them that, look, if no, I was there one day and I love to learn. How, how do they do it? Somebody said, well, I say it's not just. They are just very smart. You give them, let's say $200, which is supposed to be about $72,000. And I, I was writing, and I've talked to some people about five people in this church. I said, go and try. They want for your dollar first. They want to win your confidence. So they will tell you, that, okay, how much do you want? So they will count the Nara equivalent and they will give you. But instead of 72 pieces or 1,000 around, they will give you 71. Go and try tonight. It's free. <laughs> Tell them you have $200 you want to break. 
instead of, and let's say they are doing at rates of 36,000 per 400 dollars, instead of 72,000, they will give you 71. Now they are going to count and give you 71. When you count it, they will start giving that. Madam is 72, say it's 71, no, it's 72. They will now say, let's recount, ma. Now when they give it back to you, it's a psychological thing. Your mind is on, you are sure that you counted 71. You are waiting for them to confirm that you are right. They will count it and say, oh, you are correct, ma. Let me add one. So they will put it. But see, why counting? They put their finger here. They remove 20 pieces. You are not looking because you are concerned about hearing that 71 as opposed to 72. So they will give it back to you and say, oh, madam, you are correct. It's 71 pieces. They will bring that one and say, take it, ma. So it's now 72. Knowing that many people will not count again. Because we counted for counted 71. Now they confirm your doubt that you are right in 71. And they've added one. You are not going to count again. And so the person what is the rule? No matter how many times they give you the money back, keep counting. And they did. We even almost arrested one of them. Then he started begging. I told the guy, I said, is it me? One day I was driving for people from this. I said, let me show you. We stopped by. I said, can I have 300? I said, I have 300 dollars. Can I have the... And they counted. I told the guy. I said, count. So the guy said, I was one driver. I said, count. I said, once one piece is missing, this guy is a thief. So the guy counted about 120, uh, 120 piece or 1,000. So it was 119. I said, it's a thief. I said, just watch. I said, give, tell him that it's 119. He said, oh, guy, it's 120. He said, oh, guy, let me count again. He said, oh, guy, you are correct. That's true. And I showed him. I said, watch the finger. But he didn't know we were watching him. Tell him, just, oh, guy, so, so, so this one time. Take, take, sir. So I told the guy, I said, count again. Then he said, police. I said, no, police are not coming. Let's count again. He said, oh, you can't. I said, let's count again. Then I seized the money. Then he began to beg. We counted about 76 pieces. About 30-something removed. One Nausa man walked up to me and he said, Sir, they do this to people every day. And once they do it to one person, they take back. You don't see them there for the next two days. They're about their own, they have 15. Anyone that has a breakthrough <laughs> on a day is not working for the next two days. Because they know you will come back and want to check. By the time you come back two, three days, you don't see them again, you will go. And the, the real Nausas there, these are Yorubas and Ibos, not Nausas. The Nanos don't do that. If you want to check, and now they wear the dress like Hausa. We saw one yesterday, and I still told the person, I said, that guy, I know his face, he said, thief. Why you have to say, my name is Rabbi? Just to deceive you. They are all Yorubas, Adibos, and South South. They are all thieves. The real Hausas will give you the money. This is how you know. They will take you to their shop. So that there is a problem, you can come back there. You know that one. But this one, they will stay on the road with you. So that there is no place to come back to. If they, you understand? Now, I, I wanted to say something from there that I took my wife there one day. When I was gone, I was just playing about this. And she said, I work in a bank. I count money every day. If you remove part of the money, and she said, if you tell me that this is 100 pieces and you remove 20, if I lift it, I will know. And without checking, she knew. Why? She's so familiar. Every day, those of you that work in bank, they say, when, when you count 100, you put it together and put something on it. At a point, we know when 100, because every day, you are so familiar with a bundle that 100 pieces and you put paper around it. So somebody gives you seven and it's calling on without counting, you will know. It will feel different in your hand. So the reason why we're looking at what God started with at the beginning, to know a true marriage, you can't even be sure. You cannot assume that what is going on between you, you and your husband now is a good marriage until you have something to compare with. And you are not comparing yourself with your neighbor. You are not comparing yourself with your parents. The first you even have to know about parents that times are different. 
See, laws set by men will not last. Are you following me? How many of you here that your wives are sitting down to, for you? If my wife should kneel down for me, I will run away. Because in this 21st century, I do not understand if I should make me start suspecting you. Why you see that you elogize all those they don't make sense to me. But if you told a man hundred years ago, he will appreciate it. Why you want to collect money from me? You start saying that you see you are this one, you are this one, you went to war, you brought a thousand prisoners, and he said he's swelling. Even though he's never been to war before. <laughs> so he goes in and he gives the ball. It doesn't work with our because we are not familiar with those things. And then you are calling me, you know. I, I grew up in Abekuta and all those ancient names, Aremu Akobi, they don't make sense to me. My name is Shola, I don't know what you are talking about. But you see, it works with a generation. Whatever standard is set by men. This is why, if your parents are the ones you are looking at, and that is your prototype, there is already a problem. Hallelujah. Only the word of God has eternal values, and it applies, and it, apart from having eternal values, it has universal value. It works everywhere in America. We are going to start stepping into it one by one. Now, when the Bible says, husband, love your wife. But you see, all these things are still under. So Moses said some things. So we are going to look at Paul and God, but not tonight. This is where I want to stop today. Is somebody with me? Has someone heard anything tonight? Praise the Lord. So what we compare, begin. Look at all I've shared. Go back to Genesis for this course. And ask yourself, for which cause am I in this marriage? And if there is a problem with the foundation, quickly begin to ask God for help. He can fix that which is faulty. He is merciful. No matter what. No matter what. He's not going to say that, okay, you see, you, you, you chose wrongly, so leave the marriage. God doesn't talk like that. What God will do is that He will fix it. I only encourage people to stay away from a relationship when somebody is pounding them and beating them. You see, you have your faith. You also have common sense. It's a person that is alive that will demonstrate faith. So if somebody is about beating you to death and you are in the house in the name of one stupid loyalty or what people will say, well, when you die, people will say whatever they want to say. You should secure your life and live. You can live without divorce, but at least separate yourself first of all for the safety of your life. Nowadays, the rate of people are killing one another. It's called the wine is finished and people are nagging on every side. And again, God is giving Christians an opportunity to demonstrate to the world that love is real. But we must build on this foundation. In male and female. What do you think about the man you are living with right now? That you call your husband. What do you think about your, your wife? What's your assessment? What's your conviction? Do you see him as a partner that you share bills together? Or someone that you partner to bring children to this world and it's limited to that? Or do you see the bone of your bone and the flesh of your flesh? If you don't see that, there is a problem. In John, that it has not manifested. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. It is on this Genesis 2 wedding. That whatever the two of you should bind on earth will be bound in heaven. It is at that point that there is no putting away. Hallelujah. So, I want to stop here today. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name.
Are we ready for our questions? Is someone blessed? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Thank you. You know, for some reasons, uh, I don't want to go beyond this preface, but let me just add this. For some reasons, at the well of Samaria in John chapter 4, when Jesus met the woman that was there, the woman by the well of Samaria, and he said that she was fetching water and struggling. And that's why that Jesus stood and said that, give me water. Give me to drink. He didn't say give me water, actually. He said give me to drink. I might look at him just saying, but I believe the master was saying something beyond give me water. And the woman said that, well, you are a Jew. How come you are asking me? And she started a ritual. And Jesus said that, I have water to give you. That if you know the person standing before you, you would have asked for a river. Something that does not dry up. And the woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw with. Well, look at Jesus, you have water. I can't see you with water. You have nothing to draw with. And Jesus said that anybody who drinks this water you are fetching, he will test again. He said, but there is a water I will give you. Whoever takes it out of, he said, he will never test again. And the woman said, give me this one that I might not come and draw again. Jesus didn't say no to her. He didn't say, I won't give you the water. But he put it on one condition. What did he say? Go and call your husband. Why is the Lord very concerned about marriage? Why did Jesus say to that woman, you want water that will never dry? He said, I will give you. He said, but before I give you, go and call your husband. And the woman said, I have no say, hey, that is the problem. You have no husband. There is a water that does not dry. How awesome it is when children are brought up in this kind of atmosphere. Where there is so much love. And the love is authentic. How beautiful this is. And how should our soul long for this? That's why we must go back to what the master said. That we might be built on the right foundation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. When we get to part two. Another day. The reason why Jesus gave them wine at that wedding. He said to them. Because they... The, because of what Mary said. When they first asked for wine, the master the answer. Mary said that they are one of I mean, Jesus said that, woman, what do I have to do with you? I mean, that means, are you bothering me? I'm here to enjoy myself in the party. Then Mary understood the key. God himself said that, do not cast your peel before swine. Because swine will not value it. I learned something. I learned a bit of swimming a while ago, and I learned something. Sometimes the lab guys, lab guys, they don't rescue you when you are struggling. When you are flapping and fighting the water, when you drink and you, you simmer, then they come. Say so when they try to rescue you while you are struggling, you can injure them. But when you are tired of struggling, you are tired and you are drowning, they jump in and they carry you because your body will be light inside water. And when you are not struggling, it's very easy for them to pull you up. Jesus doesn't give an answer because the apostle is asking. He answers when, it is, when he is sure that you are ready to receive the answer he gives. So, when he said the, the wine is, Jesus said, well, I didn't ask them to start the party in the first place. Then, the instead of Mary to get angry, she understood the key. 
she was saying to his son, son, they don't have wine again. And John said, so how does that concern me? She turned away from Jesus and turned to the people looking for wine. She just said, whatsoever he tells you. Part two, I don't know when. It will be brutal. I'm going to ask people, are you ready to do whatever the master tells you to do? If he does not see this readiness in you, we are in church and there are churches all over the world. But there are men in the church. Just like Jesus said to Pharisees, he said, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, so many people still have a heart that is hard. I'm quite young, but I've been a pastor for a while. From university days, secondary school, I was president of Scripture Union you know, Fellowship for two years. UI, I was a pastor, and here I am now. So all my life, from age 14, I've been pastoring. I tell you the truth, all over the world, there are more whose hearts are hardened than those whose hearts are soft. So Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, you know why Moses told you that? He said, because of the hardness of your heart. There is something called, it doesn't mean a wicked man, no. It means that a heart that is not ready to fully accept God's standard. That hardness can be because of cultural background, what you've been told by people. This is what you believe. Do you know that there are people who go to gospel churches and they still, you can't tell them about drinking or anything. I'm not a doctrine person or anything, no. There's no scripture that says that it's wrong to drink, no. But I usually ask people that, so why do you want to? Or why are you finding it difficult to leave it? So when you start asking questions around something, does the Bible say we should kiss or not? Why? The question is not, there is no scripture that says it is wrong to kiss. The question, why do you want to kiss? See, don't try to look for answer to your question. Ask yourself why you are asking the question. That is what I see the whole debate about tithes and all these things going on back and forth. A Christian doesn't need to be told about giving. Is it true that people have been robbed, that people have been oppressed? It's true. Is it true that people have been caught, that we don't need to be It's true. And that is not the gospel. But you see, a genuine Christian does not need anybody to threaten him to know what he's supposed to do. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? So why, so why, the question, why are you asking the question? When you start asking questions, <laughs> when you say, what can we do, what can't we do? You will cross the line. Amen. I know Nobody will come on my word and say that, you see, you are sinning against God because when you were dating this girl, you did not kiss her. That's not possible. But when I say we've been kissing, then debate starts. Some will say it's right, some will say it's wrong. So I said to myself, why don't you stay away from things that are debatable and be sure that there's no debate around you? So that was what Jesus was trying to tell them. Why are you asking me that is it right to divorce your wife? In the first place, why should it be crossing your mind that you want to divorce? Are you following what I'm saying? And Jesus said, you know why it's crossing your mind? Your heart is hard. So when they said there was no wine again, Jesus just paused. He didn't answer the woman. Until he heard them say, whatever, whatever he tells you to do, do. And he said, okay, are you sure? He said, go and fetch water from that. And the water turned to wine. Every time we approach the Lord, and you come for a seminar like this, with a mindset that, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever you tell me to do, I learned from doctors that I hear that. Some people go to the hospital and they start arguing with the doctor. Now you come see the doctor. And they say, they say the doctor, you say, well, it, it starts from here. And the doctor says that this is, the, I think this is what is wrong. They say, you don't understand. It can't be that one. Why didn't you stay in your house and treat yourself? 
Why do I want, I want to check somebody else? And it, it can be, Dr. Polygon was telling, one of, one, of, one of the senior friends, a doctor, he said, if somebody comes to us and they start behaving in an unreasonable manner, argue with you. Because they have it in their mind, why coming? That this is the kind of medication they want you to give them. So when you say that is not what is wrong with you, they don't want to hear. So they start building the case again. When you talk, they start again. They say, at times in the night, oh, my heart will be palpitating. I say, I know, palpitating or pap, this is what you need. Then she listens. That's why again, say, it, 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 it happens at times even when I'm walking during the day. It's not night alone. So I say, okay, when at night, they have to know evening. What I think you need is this. I said, hey, it's not that once in a week. It happens every day. Doctor says that way. Even if it's happening every second. This is what you need. Well, you know why? He has made up his mind that this thing that is wrong with me, I don't think this is malaria. And doctor says that, well, malaria manifests in different ways. Maybe each time you had malaria in the past, there was a way the symptom came. Now, this one is coming a different way. We've done the test. He said they did the test on the, and she was still arguing that I don't think it's malaria. And you know, as a doctor, you have to be polite. And some of you can't be that polite if you're a doctor. My friend, get out of my office. <laughs> go and treat yourself. Whatever you think it is, go and treat it. <laughs> I will be fine. <laughs> After I did come and call you from your house to come here. <laughs> you understand? Well, some doctors lose also, they get angry at them because some patients can annoy you. Yeah, they, I mean, some people can annoy, they, they can annoy the most gentle person on that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you. Is someone blessed today? Yes, sir. Is someone blessed today? Yes, when we look at this another day, we complete this whole thing that we have started. And we start looking at it. Hallelujah. One after the other. Some of the things I've raised. What is spiritual joining? What is flesh joining? What is soul joining? And we have to look at all these things. And what will God say to a man that will make our home stand? We have to look at all that. Amen. We have to look at why Jesus said to that man, woman that go and call your husband and then I will give you the water. I want to explain the importance of when you pray together, how your prayer will never be hindered and all those things. Amen. So let's start this way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is 6 o'clock. Take question for 6.30 and we are through. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. So can you project the ones you have? And if you have a question, can I see your hand? I will take, if you, are, if you have a question and you are not ashamed of your question, okay, is there something as ungodly sexual relationship in a marriage or is it everything permissive within the confines of marriage, e.g., is there anything wrong with oral sex and certain sexual positions? Very good question. I listened to a man preaching on TV some months ago and he said that any sex, when the woman is on top, you will go to hell. <laughs> That's a powerful message. So, many people will go to hell <laughs> because of the position. <laughs> Amen. See the way some guys are looking at me. Your hell is sure. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, you really want me to answer this question? Sorry, who is saying yes? Who wrote, who wrote the question? Now you write the question. <laughs> okay. Now, it has, it has come up in many Christian discussion. I do not believe there is anything wrong. Whatever the man and the woman, whatever they are comfortable with. 
sex is a private matter between man and woman. And if the two of them are okay with any kind of sex, I don't think uh, one sex is holy and one is unholy. But the only warning to just give is also that do not let it be that you are watching some dirty stuff and that is why you are trying to. That's just a caution there. But to say that uh, the husband that was saying that they want to have sex this way or that way is wrong will be to say what is not in the Bible. So it's between the two of them. If that's what it wants, the two of them are okay with it. It's a mutual thing. It's between them. Okay? And the third party has to be around to say whether it's wrong or not. You are not supposed to be there when that kind of action is going on. So it's really between the two people. So I do not think um, we can say a person is wrong because of saying this kind of sense or that kind of sense, really. But it's just that what, 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 what amazes me about that question is that even though some people are spirit-free, but what is in their hearts? The kind of, the thing they want to experiment, where is it coming from? What have you watched? Or what are you watching? What are you reading? But really, we can't say that it's wrong. I'm just saying that. So, so that, that's the way. Hope that is okay. I answer, I've answered the question. Is everything permissive? Yes, it, between the two of them, it's between the two of them. It's none of, none of our business, actually. Is there a limit to which a woman should submit to her husband? Does it necessary? Now, you know that I said this part one. I will answer, but if you look at the advert, I want to touch on some practical issues of life to explain what we are talking about, but not today. I just had to do foundation laying today. We will send a message when we do this again. Is it okay if we do this again? Praise the Lord. This is July. Maybe August, last Sunday in August or September, we will have this again. I know rain also stops people from being there. We'll, we'll, we'll do this again. Now, Bible says, is there, a, someone, is there a limit to which a woman should submit to her husband? Does it necessarily mean a woman is not submissive if she doesn't give up all her money to her husband? How best should a couple plan their finances? This is, now listen to me very carefully. Alright? Um, upon Man Zion, there shall be deliverance. Right? Where? Upon Man Zion. Certain scriptures or certain truths can only be operated by the people at a level. When you are not at that level, don't attempt it. I said that to say, in a good marriage, the ideal should be you are open about your finance and everything, but people are coming from different angles. With some men right now, it is unsafe to give your money to him. So submission that involves you going to work and carrying all your money given to a man, that is not the definition of submission. That is domination. Hallelujah. In the first place, you have his own money. Alright? Because we can cancel it on the scripture that says also that if you don't have a work, don't eat. And you cannot take what belongs to someone else. So in the name of submission, I don't concur. That is not... If the man wants it, fine. But if not something, if, if it's, you are the woman working, if you don't want to do it, don't feel guilty about it, keep your money. Period. Alright? Praise the Lord. I mean, you cannot be working and carry all your money and give somebody if you don't want to. If you want to, fine. It's your choice. But if you don't want to, you are not committing a sin. That's what I'm saying. So don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. 
However, in a perfect marriage, in an ideal marriage, you shouldn't hide anything from one another. But if at the state you are in right now, there is need to hide something, for now, hide it until things are okay. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. Alright. According to Matthew 19.9, when you divorce, you are expected to remain single. Why then do Christians remarry when they divorce? Are you sure that's what is in Matthew 19? Jesus didn't so much have problem with divorce as much as the reason for the divorce. He said if you put away your wife except for sexual immorality, so there is already a clause. So, now, I will tell you, I don't want to be a theologian, but the Bible is silent on some things. So, Jesus Christ was talking to the Jews and the Pharisees who asked him that question, but of course it applies to everybody. But Apostle Paul was talking to the church. And Apostle Paul, in his own discussion, said, if the person walks away, you are free. Now, that word you are free is what the church is having problem with. Does it mean you are free to remarry or you are free to live by yourself? Some says, if a person says not doing it again, the other person is free from the marriage, so you remain single. But I believe that you are free means that you are free to remarry. Alright? So the Bible is not exactly saying that people should not remarry. But don't initiate it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So if somebody is not willing to dwell with you peacefully and the person wants to go, let them go. That's what the Bible says. If a person wants to go, let them go. And Paul even ended by saying that God has not called us to bondage. To so as able to stay in some marriages, it's like bondage. We will get to all that second lecture, really, or third one. We need to talk about it. Alright? Praise the Lord. We will look at the Bible and, it, and check from the Bible. I know God says I hate divorce, and it does. But can anything happen? There are different types of marriages these days. If I do, do not do a church wedding, can I still be called cleave? Does it make the couple being one flesh? It's not about the location of the marriage. It's about following the principles of the Bible. Though I strongly recommend that if you are a Christian, you should want to get married in the church. But is it compulsory to marry in the church? No. If you do court wedding and there are witnesses around, you are married. Okay? But it is better that some of that spiritual authority should join you. However, it is not compulsory. So if you do traditional wedding and you are prayed for there, the two families are there and you are joined together, who says you are not married? You are married. Because when this cleaving that you are talking about was said, there was no church then. Hope you remember. It was said in Genesis chapter 2 and there was no church in Genesis chapter 2. There was no church in the Old Testament where people were getting married. When Adam married, if there was no church, in fact, there was nobody there. Adam just looked at her and said, You are my wife. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> amen. <laughs> is it right to use a sex toy if your spouse is sexually dissatisfied? No. That's, this one is a sharp no. See, sex for a Christian is also, it has the pleasure part, but it also has the spiritual parts. And the Bible talks about that. You only have sex with somebody you are married to. You are not married to a doll. So if you discover, yes, I also do know that people are, are, they are not on the same level sexually. Once you get married, for those who are married, you realize that somebody probably in the marriage craves for sex more than the other person. Now it's also possible, imagine now like between age 14 and 21, a girl is a prostitute. I mean, she's used to maybe doing three, four, five men in a day, and now she's born again. She's a spirit-filled Christian. And now, um, she has had all kinds of sexual experiences. So, in a sense, she's wild. And then she's married to a church boy. 
that when she was uh, building her CV in that area, the guy was in church praising the Lord. You know, all he knows is that God is only, you know, just singing, He mother, invisible God, only wife. And then now they are married. And uh, one is a pro, one is amateur. And. <laughs> Why are you making me to laugh? Let me do my job. <laughs> so, so there can be a problem in that sense. So, um, but that is the beauty of marriage. They have to work on each other until they get to the same peak together. It's possible. And it's happening every now and then. So that's the truth. Amen. Praise the Lord. So is it good for a married man to be keeping friends with a single guy that womanizes, drinks, and does not go to church? Sir, please, what are the consequences as a woman? I am totally against the friendship, but my husband does not listen. Okay. Um, we are spirit beings. Pray for your husband. See, don't try to separate your husband from his friends. You might be looking for trouble, actually. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It will look like you are trying to control and rule the man. Remember, as a Christian man, you should not be insecure. Now, if your husband... Now, there is also no scripture that says you cannot have a friend who is a non-believer. So you cannot put your husband under your own check and use your legs say that this is it. Yeah, you might sense danger in that relationship. That's why you should pray. Let me tell you one thing, and I want everybody to listen. There is nothing like personal conviction. If a man comes up with the idea that I'm not supposed to work with this person, that is where they can separate from the person. But if you are putting pressure on him to leave the person, thank God you are not saying your husband is doing any of sort things. But he has a friend. Now, friendship are in level. He can have a friend who does. So, don't overworry yourself about who your husband's friend is. Pray about it, really. Because that can even start creating problems in your house. Every now and then you are shouting at him to leave that person alone. And maybe that person is his friend. You understand? I have some friends who are not Christians. Although the friendship is limited, but I still talk with them and we talk. So, pray about it and don't overbother him about it. Just pray about it. Praise the Lord. I know your fear. You think that because his friend is single, one day two will come home and say that he's not doing it again. <laughs> so, from your analysis, according to Matthew 9, 5, if one is married to more than one wife, which one of the wives' flesh will the man be connected to? That is why you should not marry more than one wife. <laughs> Amen. Now, now, if you're asking the question on behalf of somebody that is into, poly, into polygamy, I'll just tell you that. See, can I say some things? Now, give me your attention, everybody, and nobody should misquote me. Nobody should misquote me about what I'm about to say. If a person has had more than two wives, or more than one wife, and is now a Christian, some churches will say, go and divorce them. Is that really correct? You have married them already. Now, let's say the woman is 40, the man is 42. The first wife is 38, second wife is 40, and the man is 42. And they married for 10 years. When, as a church, we tell you to say one of them should go. If she goes, what happens to her? So what does to go and marry someone else again? And then fall under the category of fornication or anything like that. Let me just say this. Really, according to Epistles, what the Bible says about a person that has more than one wife is that he cannot be a church leader. But the Bible did not say he cannot be a member of the church. 
Are you with me? Go and read Paul very well. It cannot be a leader. Because if it's a leader, truly some members might want to copy. But if it has been done, it's been done. That's it. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. You see, that's why we have to be very careful about how we interpret things. I was reading the account of, I think the founder, let me not mention her name, of one of the major eateries in Nigeria, these eateries. She said that, they asked her that your, your, your father was a popular Muslim and now you are a Christian. They said that she was a Muslim before that. But she said that the father was not even a Muslim before. He was living in Djibouti, ancient in the ancient days. This is what I'm talking about, she be almost 70. So her father is late now. And when the missionaries came to preach, they were telling farmers, all of them to go and send away two wives who were married to three to, to, so that one would remain. And these people loved their three wives. They were not Christians. They came to church and they believed in Jesus Christ. As soon as they were baptized, they were told to send away two. So all of them left church. Then he said, Islam came and told them that you are okay the way you are. And they all became Muslim. He said, my father too became a Christian when he wanted to die. Because what he really wanted was Christianity. But when they told him, he tried to go and put away your wife before you can become a Christian. And he said, this is hard. The pastor that preached that on the judgment day, he will answer where he found that in the Bible. Because he just put a stumbling block before people and serving God. And there is no condition for anybody to be born again except to believe. So telling people that drop your secret before you become born again, you are adding what is not in the Bible. There is no condition. The only condition is that whosoever believeth shall be saved. No other thing. Are you getting what I'm saying? So this is why our interpretation of the Bible must be very careful how we interpret scriptures. So, but who is he joined to? He's joined to them. <laughs> so you that you are not married to more than one, that's why stay with one, and that's the one you are joined to. That's what I can say. Praise the Lord. So is it good for a couple to live in the husband's father's house? I strongly recommend don't do that. There's nothing wrong in itself. But you see, can I also, beyond marriage seminar, I'm telling you something. Should I tell you one more? If you stay in your father's house, there's every likelihood that you will not be all that you're supposed to be. I don't know why it works like that. Check through the Bible. Esau and Jacob. Esau stayed at home. Jacob went away. Who became the richest? Jacob. Jacob had how many children? Twelve guys. Which one of them went away? Joseph. Who became prime minister? Joseph. You will find that pattern in the Bible. That's why God said to Abraham, leave your father's house. When you are about to get married as a man, your father has a 50 room mansion. I strongly suggest, even if all you have is a mini flat, you can remember, you say, move out and go and stay. And let me say to all ladies, if you are here by chance as a woman and you are not married, don't follow a man to go and stay in his father's house. You will be stained. Many things will happen that you will not like. You and him, for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother. If you are not strong enough to leave, don't ask a woman to join you. Wait till you are strong enough to leave. That's why some of you that, your, your mom, you are still mommy's boy, even though you are 41. You cannot say five words without saying mommy's dead. Once you plan something, mommy overrules, you accept. You saw something with your wife. This is what we are doing. Mommy comes and mommy says that no. You tell you are, you are telling your wife that in this house will be eating beans with palm oil. Mommy says no, it's with vegetable oil. 
And he said, okay, see, mommy has said a vegetable and so, you know, power is bad. All of a sudden, it's because of, you are not fit for marriage. You are young. You should have stayed single. Now that you are married, be a man. Love your mom forever. Honor her greater. If you know that your mom is troublesome, create a gap between you. See, we can't deny some things. It's your mom. Many of us have fathers who are tougher. You know. Then create a gap. Don't let there be a fight between your mom and your wife. That means create a gap. Every woman wants her space. When the woman is in your house, and we don't know who is the wife between her and your mom. Your mom too comes to the kitchen. Your mom controls everything. She can never be happy. She's married to you. She wants her space. And she'll give her that space. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Yeah. Is it okay for a married man to have a female best friend? So it's not about whether it's right or wrong, but be careful. <laughs> Why can't your wife be that best friend? I think uh, I will say this that naturally, and I, I want all women to hear this, sincerely speaking, naturally, when men are married and they are growing up, sometimes men find it easy to have a kind of friendship with younger females. But it's just that it can be dangerous. Can there be some that are playing? Yes. But sometimes you just don't know where you are going to cross the line. Remember, the opposite sex is opposite sex. So if you are a man and you are 45, and there's a lady of 25, and she's your friend, day and night you call each other, you say things and things. Cheating is not until you sleep with somebody else. You can cheat on your wife emotionally. So the time that you are supposed to be using to be talking to her, you are talking to one young babe somewhere. She's the one you talk to. You win a contract, you are calling her, you know, you know, I just want the question, she's celebrating with you. It's true that you are not having sex, nothing. But how come she's the one you tell everything? She calls you in the night that you are, you are like, ah, I had a very bad day at work. What you have not even told your wife, you are telling him, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to America tomorrow. She knows all your itinerary. She, she can close her eyes and tell anybody where, where is Wale? Wale is in Baran Island right now. Number seven. She knows all your movements. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. One day, you are a good man, but you might just do what you didn't plan to do. A lady once spoke to me, and she told me that actually, that was how sexual relationship started between herself and the guy. He, he sponsored her when she was in university, 100 level to 2. He was paying her school fees. They started getting close. His wife had cancer, and she was abroad, going through treatment. And really, they started like, he came for convocation in her school. And met her, she was in 100 level. She was sitting down that one tree. She wasn't celebrating with any of her seniors. She was just, she was just under level then. And the guy got to know her. What's wrong with you? Her father just entered a serious financial trouble. I think they even arrested her. I don't know. And she, the guy just said, Don't worry about that. I will pay. So they became friends. So she started coming to Lagos to see him. And the wife was not around. And she told me that son he said, Honestly, I think the first, they, were, they were friends for 10 years. The first two years, she went to his house many times. No sex, no nothing. But the last eight years was terrible. They got so close that he wouldn't even want her to marry. Because they started getting close sexually, flying around the world, sleeping with her and everything, and did not even want her to get married. So when his wife, she, she was able to beat the cancer and came back to Nigeria. It was even difficult for him to accept the wife because this girl was just something else to him. So things can develop like that. So there should be gap. Alright? 
Amen. Can I say this? Every woman here, you won't get anywhere where you are policing your husband around. And when you see with somebody, you get angry. It's a weapon you should not use. I know it might be hard for some ladies to take this. But that's just the truth. Historically, once you go that route, you lose the battle. Fighting. You know, you go to his office, you see somebody, you are parabolating up and down. Up and down. You just give yourself high blood pressure. Can you really catch a man if he wants to misbehave? You will catch him later, after he might, he might have done many. You can't, the way God says, they, they say that there is no exam in the world. Including law school exam. That people don't find original. When you build a complicated security system, man will build a complicated system to beat it. Because God didn't create man to be caged. He said, have dominion. So once you put something before a man, he will find a way to overcome it. Some of the cheaters we have around, their wives don't even have a cliff. Now you are putting fasting and praying on him. He will fast. But as he's fasting, <laughs> he's getting faster in what he's doing. <laughs> Hallelujah. You, you, it comes so you are checking through his phone. So you actually think, you know, one day I sat and I thought about it. That men, the women who die, just so you actually think a man that is smart enough, if he wants to cheat, so he will leave some messages on his phone. The first thing he will do is to have a phone that he do not know anything about. That's all. So, I mean, it's quite funny. Or get a message, raise it off. So, this one you are using time to check what is in his phone. You are even trying to say, are you married to a dummy? Who doesn't know how to hide what he's doing? The real bad boys will do things and look clean and you will never know. You won't know. The people will say to your friend that I can't see. I don't know of other men know my, my husband. <laughs> and the guy is standing beside that. I say, yes. <laughs> you can <batch. laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Alright, when communicate, communication becomes a problem for a couple at a point in their marriage, how best can they make it work all over again? The man stays away most of times due to the fact that the lady hasn't given birth. A very healthy conversation. When I say people should pray, I'm not saying this as an answer, something like we say religiously. No, I'm saying it with all sense of responsibility. We are spirit beings. We communicate with the Heavenly Father. Then God gives you an instruction on steps to take. One of the steps, He will tell you how to talk with your husband. If you are here, relationship has gone somewhere, and you know that things are... It starts with, you have to start conversing again. You might need to wake him up and sit with him from your heart with humility. Explain that, say, this is what is going on after praying. His heart will open up, or our heart will open up. Yes. When you are not talking with someone, a relationship, a communication has broken down. What starts is also is a healthy communication that stems from the place of prayer. It is all, it's always the starting point. You are along the line. Somebody has to call somebody and be like, "Sorry, we need to talk. We cannot continue like this." And that talk will begin to heal the entire family. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay. Any question? Anybody raising? Anybody wanting to ask? Apart from reading. If after marriage you realize your husband masturbates, he loves watching pornography and different sex videos, 
He cheated on you immediately after your wedding. When he was confronted, he apologized. Am I expected to forgive him? I feel, so, I, I, I feel the pain of the person writing this question. But maybe I should say this to you so that you have to accept the fact that this is hard. But I'm going to say it as it is. You have to accept the fact that you close your eyes to some vital things when you were dating. It just did not start. It started since. My question is that why didn't you see that about him? Now, let's leave the past. You are married now. You are married now. A man who has been having sex, very active sexually with different women, will not change overnight. It might be in him to want to change, but it will not change overnight. It's hard, but that's the reality you have to accept right now that you are married somebody who is wounded inside. He can't hold himself. And marriage will not cause him to hold himself. So we have to accept the fact that, look, I have bought a damaged product in that sense. I have to trust God to fix the product. And in fixing it, you cannot hurry it. You have to pray. So you have to forgive him. If you want. And if you don't want to forgive him, well, you can end the marriage and move away. But you have to forgive him. If you want joy to come back to that marriage. But keep talking and keep praying, really. There's no sin you cannot forgive. That is not a justification that any guy can do anything. No, that's not what I'm saying. But if you really love you, you have to forgive and find a way how together you can over, overcome that thing. How I wish you saw it before you got married, that you had the tendency of distributing it around and do something. You should have done something at that level. It's true. But people don't really change overnight. It takes time. That's the truth. But if you pray, you love him, and you stay with him on this thing, talking regularly, you might, you might be able to help him. Especially, you said he confessed to you and he opened up. If he apologized, it shows that there is something in him that doesn't want to do that. Those who are bent on that, will turn up, they, will just, they will just change it for you. <laughs> Amen. So, I hope I've spoken with that person. I pray in Jesus' name. God will heal you and him, and God will help you. Amen. Hallelujah. If you need me to see your husband, I don't mind. I can help with the word of God. My father-in-law went to inquire from a prophet. and was told that I possess a marine spirit. And am I to consider doing deliverance? I did deliverance, but the same prophet said, I am the prophetess. I'm a prophetess with the call of God on my life. What do I do? He does not believe in wearing trousers, ear extension and makeup. God help Nigeria against all kinds of prophets and prophets and prophets. This is what I believe. As a New Testament Christian, you are the prophet over your own life. Can God use somebody to speak to you? Yes, if you don't look for it. Somebody saying you are a prophetess does not make you one. He just expressing his own opinion. And then somebody saying you have a marine spirit. If I was the one, you two should tell the person you have which one? Marine. Air. Now you are an air commander, wing commander. <laughs> How can somebody walk up to somebody and be like, you have a marine spirit? You know, I have met too many women who have told me this same thing. That a prophet said, and I'll be like, who is the prophet? Say, a prophet said this one, this one, that. God. Two people wanted to get married in this church, and their mom came, the mother of the uh, lady came to see me and said that the, the prophet that said that they should not have a big wedding. And this was where they were all preparing for in church. I said, Mommy, the word of God says that no evil shall be for. I said, Ma, which one do you believe? 
your prophet that spoke on the Bible, he saw a man stronger than the Bible, then she kept quiet. She, she saw what I was saying. I said, Mommy, I'm the one joining the two of them. If anything as much as edict should happen to them, come and arrest me. That a church where I preside, they will have the wedding, nothing will happen. If anybody will drop dead, it will be the prophet that spoke. So tell him to better be careful. I said, but nothing. The mom danced and said well on the day of the wedding. Nothing happened. All these telling people things. The prophet. So can I ask you, do you have a marine spirit? If you believe you don't have it, forget about whatever any prophet said. And leave the, you don't need deliverance. Amen. Hallelujah. I remember the other question said that because you were yet to give birth, that was why the husband was doing that. I believe God for the fruits of the womb for you. It still shows that there is a dent. The major reason for marriage is not to have children. It's to love. Otherwise, people have children without marriage now. You can meet somebody on the street, ask them about that person we have. So, childbirth is not the primary reason. And if a man loves a man, you're able to say to yourself, whether we have a child or not, you are still my wife and I love you. Period. Are you with me? What about wives who don't want to have children? They go and buy a dog. No, wives do that. They love their dog. And the cats and all those pets. I was watching George Judy or with George the other day. That the neighbor's dog killed their dog. And they were crying at the street. They sued the neighbor. And the boy, the father, the mother, the daughter, they were all crying. And the daughter said that the only person I had unconditional love for is God. <laughs> I said, I said, I should enter TV and give them all of you. Just come and carry an African child and take you to America. <laughs> you know. I saw a movie also, they were going upstairs to kill people. The woman wanted to escape. She was still calling her dog, and the dog was waking her thing. The Charlie called. And they were coming to kill her. I trust Africa. So, but stayed there. <laughs> Naturally, whites love their pets. And they treasure. Some Nigerians are getting there. So, you know, it's not very common. So, we try to do some. We, we fake some things. It's, it's not real. We will. We, 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 <laughs> you understand? <laughs> God help Africa. You are doing your bed and you are asking them to bring flowers to you. Are you a white woman? Do you really love flowers? It's white that you carry flowers to. They smell it. Ooh, we are Africans. Stop deceiving yourself. You too, you are trying to do like white woman. On your bed, you say, what should we give? You say, bring flowers. Hey, really? <laughs> You give me flower, I will throw it at you. What, what will I do with flower? We get flower in our compound. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we shall say that there are some differences between we and whites. A white man, a white woman looks at a picture of her college on the table, maybe seven of them. She looks at her ex-mates, classmates. Oh, Sharon. She puts the picture on her chest and she's crying. She starts crying. A Nigerian looks at the picture. It begins by abusing. See this boy with this naughty boy. <laughs> so to this lady, don't mind whatever the prophet said. Please free yourself of that. Don't, don't bother yourself about that. Hallelujah. Please, I need a broad understanding about genuine love. Genuine love is an unconditional love. It's a love that is from the word of God. When you love somebody, not because of what you want to get from the apostle, but because of God, you love somebody. And we need it in marriage. In fact, it is the reason why we don't wait for the other person to do what is right before we do what is right. 
in marriage if you come from the angle that except you so when they are talking say what about him talk to him also what about him he does this that you are seeing a hardened heart and that might be where I will start from next stop you, you have not gotten to a point where you say whatever he says I should do I will do if a man gets to that point he walks from a meeting like this you will get to where you have made up your mind even if this woman is still naughty I have made up my mind to love her so what many people don't know is that guys who seem to be doing very well in their marriage, their wives so they have offended them and they still offend them. It's a choice to just love. What you are scattering the old house about, it's what happens to some other people and they won't say anything. It's a decision to love and not look back. That's all. So it's not because the person is doing well. It's just because you've decided to love. That's why you don't get angry. If a child takes your phone, and he smashes it. It will pay you, but you don't descend on him. Except something is wrong with him. But you carry the pain. It's painful, but it's not because you know at his level, you have looked at it. So you pardon him in advance. You understand? Taiwo, good to see you. How are you? You understand what I'm saying? This is very important, and we have to get it that way. So, um, genuine love is unconditional love. It's a love that is rooted in the word of God. And in the nature of God, I will say you. That's genuine love. I will take two more and then we close. My time is up. Any other one? Who is raising his hand? Okay, give the mic. Yes, ma'am. So I love to see the person asking me I love that more than somebody writing. Okay. Um, well, my question is... Well, I kind of grew up in a home where... Um, you know, the, where they say the man is a spiritual leader, is prophet of the home, you know, prayer, what not, not, not. But it was the other way around. My mom was the one that was always praying, and, you know, my dad would, would go, oh, pray for us, oh, pray for us. <laughs> so okay. there's always been that, you know, conflict in my mind that does it really matter or is it not good? Okay, so, very good question. The man should be the spiritual head. Okay. Now, being spiritual does not mean you can pray longer than your wife. For instance, Joyce Mayer can preach. Her husband probably cannot preach like she does. I don't think anybody will buy the husband's message. But he's still the spiritual head of the house. Now, where we make a mistake is that your wife, if your wife is a prayer warrior, for instance, now, let's say, I don't believe the world was prayer warrior. There are no warriors anyway. Let's say an intercessor. She can fast three times in a week. Maybe the man can only fast once. And that one said, by three o'clock, his eyes are spinning. <laughs> that doesn't mean it's still not a spiritual head. God will not say, because you cannot pray as a man for three hours, and your wife can pray for six hours, she's now senior you spiritually. As six hours can work for other Christians in the church around her. She is still under the authority of her husband. You understand? That 10 minutes prayer of her husband will be a blessing to her if she honors the man. But if she feels that because she can pray for 6 hours and her husband can only pray for 30 minutes, she dishonors the man, she is making a big mistake. So if a woman is the pastor of the church now, at, in church you can bless everybody, lay hands, they get well. You better know that when you get home, that guy at home who cannot even pray, for Eddie, he's still the husband. And you know what? When you have issues and he prays for you, 
something will happen to you. God will bless you if he prays for you. Now, when you leave the house, if he prays for any other person, if they are sick and he prays for them, they might die after praying. Is that unanointed? That if he prays, but when he, but when he prays for you, because he's your husband, something happens to you. Did you get that? That's very important. You understand? So the man, the man is spiritual head. But the woman can pray more. She can be more open to the things of God than the man. She can go for more meetings than the man. But the man is still the spiritual head. Even though it is better for the man to see more spiritually. Thank God for mothers who can pray and everything. Let to some men. Enemy will come in. They don't see anything. Is the wife seeing everything? Call those man. Let's pray. He's not seeing anything. We will get <laughs> See, I have many things to share with you. I look at a lot of examples in the Bible. If some women did arise to do some things, even in business, if, if some women did not invest, the whole family would be in trouble by now. The man saw nothing, got all the money, wasted it, giving all his friends and people, and now, the only reason why the children are studying abroad, I have seen this in many families, is because of the mother. Who, when she was working, started putting her hands into some things, and thank God that she did not tell the man that she was keeping those things. The man would have called for the money, he would have squandered it. One of them said that uh, my, my club people are coming to the house. Club, 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 spending all his money on clubs. But the mother saw a land and bought and didn't tell the man. She finished building. She knelt down one day and begged, I'm sorry for keeping this from you. She gave her the key. This is your house. It's our house. But I had to do it because I'm sorry to say, dear, left to you, you wouldn't build. But that one was a remarkable man, a truthful man. He cried, and they moved to the house, and they started thanking her. You know some bullies? <laughs> they know she's saying the truth that left to her, left to him. They, they will still take her. So you beat her without telling me. But she's giving you the house. In my house, my wife built a surprise house for me. God bless her. Oh, you know, all these insecurity people have. Some people don't want their wife to be richer than them. I have my goals. If my plan is to have 10 million per month and I'm having it, I am satisfied. Now, if my wife now has 10 billion, I don't care. I have my 10 million every month, I am okay. It's African metal, you want to dominate her. So she must have. Some don't want their wives to work, so she can depend on them. And when, they, when she depends on them, then they can control her. So, amen. That's about spiritual aid. One more, last question. Any hand up? Okay, my brother over there. Oh, someone is there. No, let me. <laughs> um, okay. Thank you, Pastor. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the meeting today. Yes, sir. Um, family, uh, marriage, the essence of marriage, I think, is family. And um, for most of us, that comes from a family that will relatively says we thank God because they mold us to do things right in a certain way. Uh, these days, social media and all what are the ones that are shaping marriages now. And that's why we have a lot of divorces. We have a lot of abnormalities in marriages. I'm very happy for this meeting tonight. I see a lot of a lot of things happening out here, and uh, I certainly on this know that 
once marriage has issues, the family is a big problem, then Christianity, the foundation of Christianity is real. Yes, My question is this. As at what level... <laughs> go on, sir. Don't mind it. Just go, go on, go on, sir. Go on, sir. Okay. As at what level should we, as married couple, understand that we should not allow social media, the telemundos, <laughs> the African magic, uh, the social media, Instagram, and all those things, not to shape our homes for us, and we should go back to the basic, which is the Bible. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right. <laughs> Social media has come to stay. I understand you, sir. There are dangerous things online, really. And when attention is given to them, they get people into all kinds of things. You know, uh, nowadays, um, you all know, you all use, I mean, you see all kinds of dirty stuff, wild ideas and everything. Um, all we need to know is that as a believer, know where your limit is. I read all kinds of things every day. I see all kinds of junks every day. I stay away from them. And um, so, so that's it. Now, social media is making the world more impersonal. You can be talking to somebody every day without knowing jack about the person. You are just chatting every day. People are even falling in love online now. And they wonder why they have so many nightmares in their marriages, you know. You know somebody is about now, it does not even mean that a good marriage cannot happen, that just that like it is risky. You understand? So I understand you, sir. All we can say is, for instance, as a father, watch what your children are watching on the internet. Cartoons are no more innocent now, some. So you need to get involved. And husband and wife, it is important that you both have the same you, you check what, you do the same thing on the internet. Have relatively more friends, uh, 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 same friends, relatively. Same thing. Engage the same group and everything on social media. So that together you can vet it and look at what you are doing together. It's important. By the time as a man, you are beginning to visit some sites that your wife does not know about. By the time as a woman, you are beginning to join some groups that your husband does not know about. You are looking for trouble. That's the truth. Why should your husband not know about some of the groups you are joining? I have, I have counseled a married woman before who told me the problem with her husband. The husband suddenly checked one day a page. What a group check. It was in one group. And the group, inside the husband saw 13 ladies in that group. But what they were always watching, the main organ of a man. Now, this is not a diagram. One guy removed his pants and took his picture and sent it to them. And they were circulating it round. See, so, 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 person's uh, genital organ, and they were joking around it, and they were looking at, looking at it. And the guy kept sending them a message, you want a taste of it, and they were sharing that. And when the husband saw it, he was mad. And I told him, I said, your madness is understandable. So, when I was talking with him, I asked her that, why, 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 on, why, why? She's not even about this, but somebody asked her to come and talk to me, and she said, Christian, I said, why should they send such a thing to you and you were, you were responding also with your friend, chatting back and forth, talking about that. That's a dirty stuff. So when people start having some secret chat like that, you, you are getting into trouble. See, I, I usually tell people that no matter what, all men here, even in your mistake, be plain. You will get out of any trouble if you are a plain person. You are plain. I respect even unbelievers that are plain. They will not lie about what they have done. Plain, be plain. 
It makes your life easy when you don't have anything you are hiding. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So, so that, that's the way it is. Amen. It's actually a work that we have to do together. Husband and I sit down together very often, have the same group of friends on Facebook, check through the same thing, and help one another about this. And of course, also, when you're having devotion, pray about it. The same thing, and then watch what your children are doing, which is very important. Praise the Lord. Alright. Last person. That's the last one. Okay. The Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, I want to ask, um, in a family where the woman is the breadwinner, mm. and those were the issues we get to another time. But go on, go on. Okay. I'll, I'll see and it's so obvious to the children. They know she's the one paying the school fees, providing food. So, what can the man do so that he will not lose his respect to the children? You know, kids, when they notice. So that's the question. Okay. Ah, you see, um, this thing, is, it has many implications. It's where I ought to get to. When I was dealing with the single, somebody also asked me, when people asked me that, should I marry a guy who, who doesn't have money? And I usually tell them that it's not about having money or not having money. But the dangerous thing about this is that 80% of families where the woman is the one fending for all of them. Check very well. And I think I have my statistics right. It started before they got married. Many of the ones I've listened to, the mother when they were dating, the father was always asking her for money when dating. She was hoping that things would change. Now they are, the one last one I heard of, they've been married for about 40 years now, 40, and nothing has changed. The woman, they left school, the woman got the job first, the man never really got anything. It was a business today, then the money fizz out of his hand and my position never changed. Now they have grandchildren and it's still the mother doing everything. About last year, October, one of the mothers of one of us came to see me. When she was working in the bank, she was the breadwinner. Now they sacked her in the bank about 22 years ago. She's still the breadwinner. As she started talking, she began to cry. I didn't, I just had to bring out check and to write almost all the money. I mean, she was, I, it pained me. I said, up till now, the father draws order to sit outside and be reading old newspaper. When they say the ideas are doing somebody, you know, when you, <laughs> but then, you know, it was, and when she was even coming to see me, the man was, the man was still arrogant. We are, we are, you know, you know, they go to one of the other, other, other that I don't want to mention. We are this one, all these gospels, don't, don't go there. Don't go. You, you don't have money. You are still arrogant. Your wife is going around doing everything. You are talking. She is the one, 50 years running, providing for you. And you are still saying where to go to and where not to go to. And, you know, anyway, but let's just put it this way that, see, what can a person do? What can a man do? If the woman is the breadwinner, whether the man likes it or not, the children will know. They will know. It is difficult within a family. Outsiders might not know. It's difficult to quote that kind of thing. Your children see you there at night, so they will know. Now, they don't have to disrespect the man because the mother is giving more. But I usually say that it is better for a man not to find himself in that scenario. It's better. Really. There's no just that your father doesn't have money, your mom is not right. That's not enough reason to. Even that your father is a drunkard does not mean you insult him. It's still your father. So, but what I can say is that the mom can make it, if truly, 
the mom trusts the man. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm Azura asking the question on behalf of some people, maybe something you have seen. If truly the mom believes in the man, she can reduce the effect of it by giving money to the man to give to give to children. But in a show whereby there is no trust, she won't want to do that. Because she might give the man, the man might go and have a girlfriend with or something. So for some reasons, the one I have observed, certain women find it difficult to pass money to their husband. They would rather go to that school and pay the school fees by themselves. And if you ask them, they've tried the man a few times and they burnt their fingers with it. So they made up their mind and see, I won't give him money. It's my husband. I'm not divorcing him. But inside this house, when the, uh, when the washing machine is broken, I'll fix it. Nepal comes and give them money. When the furniture are torn, I will fix it, but I will not give him the money. One that I spoke to told me that she did it many times. The man squandered the money. So she made up her mind to be giving money directly to carpenter, take your money, mechanic, take your money. You need to fix children, take your money, but I won't give money to the man. So it's about what is going on between the two of them, first of all. Then, secondly, um, the man should try and get out of that position very fast. It's important. If you look at someone like Pastor Blessing Awoshika, with the kind of money she has, the husband can't be as rich as herself. But, but the husband is hardworking and is rich also. When the man is moving also, it doesn't show. Because there is nothing the mother can give you that the father cannot give them as well. Even though the mother is richer than the father. You understand what I'm saying? That's very important. When you know such a man, encourage the man that whatever he can do for himself, he will win his dignity back even if he can just provide 25% and the wife can do 75 What women and children don't want to hear at all is that everything is coming from the mother. If the mother does some things and the father goes to do some other things, it's wonderful. And that's what they should do. I, we are going to get to this aspect in marriage about provision and money. I actually have a topic under sex, under in-laws, relatives and social that is your serious type people around you, and then we have about the uh, spirituality of a man and woman, sex and money. They are in the advert. They are the aspect that we still need to get to, really. Because once things are not right in that area also, it will have a ripple effect on other areas. And you can't separate spirituality from money, actually. There's a reason why the Bible demands that a man must provide for his own household. And if you look at the way the Bible puts it, it puts it in a very terrible way. That a man that does not provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. So a time we have to tell Christian men that. The Bible didn't say we should carry all the bodies. But the Bible is saying that if a man gets to a point where he cannot provide for his family, he is worse than an unbeliever. So no Christian wants to find himself in that situation. So no matter what, a man has to go out quickly and do something. I think about four years ago, I had a challenge with a man in this church. Who kept telling the woman that he had... And people do that all over the world. I mean, the guy had to call the man one day that... You have a ministry God has called you. Does not mean you should not do something. A calling over ten years that you have not started and you are not doing anything. And the wife told me she gets salary, she gives it to the man. She says salary, she gives it to the man. One day she decided, I say, I'm not giving this man again. So I summoned the man. And as he sat before me, he started telling me how God called him to be an, a preacher, to be an evangelist. And, and you get to ask that, see, sir, this is not the way. I spoke with a woman also one day. She said that God has called her to be a deliverance minister. She would travel with men to the east and call South South to go and pray for some families. And her husband started complaining. Consequently, the marriage ended. And he told me that the devil was using her husband. The devil was not using your husband. 
to leave your husband for two weeks to go and be doing deliverance on people. One day came to me and said she said I should borrow her money. That God showed that a guy in prison in South Africa that she needed to go and counsel. I said, Ma, the God who showed you has a lot of counselors in South Africa. Let him talk to one of them. She got angry and said, Okay, fine. I can be I can be I can be tough at times. I said, Okay, you're angry, fine. Tell your God to supply the money. When your boss at work sends you on another, they provide transport fare. Since God has sent you to South Africa to go and talk to a prisoner, let him provide transportation. Why are you coming to me? I said, it's obvious I disagree with your God. So, I am not the one he will use. So, let him use somebody that agrees with him. God bless you. She was shocked. Then she sat back. Then I now started sharing with her. I didn't, I didn't want to be ash. But I'm letting you see something. You don't have 50,000 your account. You are trusting for 300,000 to South Africa to go and counsel a prisoner who does not even know you. What kind of vision is that? Some people talk about all this as if it doesn't have common sense. As if it's somebody that does irrational things, you know. But the spirit of God is the spirit of wisdom. That's why some unbelievers are finding difficult to accept some things Christians say. We portray God as somebody that hates intelligence. That when it is time to have a creative thing, God is not there. God tells us to do something irrational. In the days of Esau, the some people are afraid of praying about God's will for their life. Because what they've been told is that if you pray for God to show you your wife, He will show you an ugly girl. If you pray to God to show you your husband, God will show you the brother in church that is dirty. They've been told that God's will is very bitter. Can God tell you to marry someone you are not attracted to? Most likely, will not. Who is res- whose responsibility is to discipline the children? Both. When I was growing up, both father and mother used to beat us. Equal proportion. There was none you offended that would not deal with you. We would not wait for the other. Everyone was up to the task. So, my mom would take her belt and belt you where my father would do this. So any one of them, any one of them, whichever angle, if you're, if you're offended in any angle, you will get to punish in that angle. Without the other person, at that my mom would be flogging and my father would not, he watch the TV. Offend this one, he will deal with you. Do justice on his own. Offend this one, she will do justice on her own. And equal proportion. So we fear the two of them. My mom will not the time and say, that is not to time his baby. She will deal with you herself. You know, she had one black belt like that. <laughs> and she used to, used to beat us. My sister is somewhere here. She was the only one that, she, they did really beat her. But you know, four, three guys, three, three guys. And I'm, I'm, I'm the last guy. Three of us growing up, it was terrible. Uh, <laughs> let not my neighbor come and report it to my father. My father was trying to portray a good man in the area. You know, he was actually a gentleman, you know, top civil servant, come home. Later, I was looking at my chairman, trying to, you know, like. So, so the neighbor started capital. One boy came to me one day and he punched me. And it was one boy I could beat. So I wanted to beat him, and he just said, I will tell you that when he comes. My hand just dropped. <laughs> but my father would ask you for anything. That somebody is reporting you, it will just descend on you. So people started talking to they would do something, I will tell your father. I wanted to play set one day. <laughs> you know, I will see him doing this week. Now I love him, and you know, <laughs> it was tough in those days. Hallelujah. I was watching some African children on white days. They, they, they transferred their father and they were crying. Daddy, I won't be seeing you every day. 
When they transferred my father to Jebode, I was so happy. I prayed. And we're coming home every Friday. I wish he could travel out. <laughs> every time my father traveled then, all of us will receive liberty. You will saw, you, the father will, on that day, as he will carry his bag to his car, maybe going to the episode, all of us will start dancing. Joy! Because of us, some days, liberty. I think nobody, my father will teach you assignment. The only reason why you will not know it is because of tension. Don't you know, Jibra? And slaps are coming. Don't look at it. That is okay. And that's why the thing will fizz out of your head. <laughs> but see, he had one, and his, his elder sister, he feared that one. She was 18 years older than my father. And she was my father's immediate elder. When my mom gave birth to her, my, my grandma, my grandma was barren for 18 years before having my father. So my father's elder sister was 18 years older than my father. My father used to pause prayerfully to greet her. And my father was second, but she was firstborn. But 18 years between them. So every time she visited her house, she was the champion. My father was teaching my brother something, and my father was beating him. His eyes were, and he was crying. My heart just drove and packed. I was happy, oh Jesus, this is the day the Lord has made. <laughs> my father just ran and told my top civil told, told my brother, please, sorry, sorry, just don't tell him. <laughs> you know, my brother tried to, I know a small boy, he tried to hide it. By the time the aunt asked the second time, what is wrong with you? He just burst and started crying. And she turned to my father, I was happy. <laughs> Uh, glory to God. <laughs> my father said, today, said today, oh no boy. My father wanted to say no. And she started. Haven't I told you? For that week, whatever we did, we got away with it. <laughs> then he resumed duty. <laughs> because she told him, I will come back and check. So for that week, my father just left all of us alone. You could walk up and down the house. I mean, he just left all of us alone. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> we bless the name of the Lord. Oh, YouTube question. Somebody's asking a question online about studies. Okay. Hope. Oh, thank you. I think we are done. Praise the Lord. It's already blessed. Let's rise up and just thank God and give God all the praise. Thank you, Father. We worship you. We give you all the glory. We bless your name. Father, we thank you for tonight, for the grace you've given to us to share your word. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ that this truth will abide with us. You help us to walk in reality of it. In Jesus' mighty name. Can somebody shout a loud amen? amen? We will let you know when the next one will take place. This is just section one. God bless you. We have the next one when there is no rain. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. You are blessed. Thank you for listening to the teaching of Pastor Shola Oshumakinde. We believe you have been blessed. Worship with us at David's Court, number 25 Mojidi Street, off Towing Street, Ikeja, Lagos. On Sundays, our first service starts by 8 a.m. and our second service by 10 a.m. While our midweek service starts by 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go and do great things. God bless you.